Hey everyone, welcome to Ben Better, How About You? I'm your host, Katie Nara, and I've suffered from depression nearly my entire life. It sucks. This is a podcast that focuses on mental health broken down in a relatable way and told through personal experiences. P.S. I'm not a doctor, but each week my guests and I will cover everything from recognizing symptoms of anxiety and depression to providing accessible tips, tools, and resources that support mental wellness. So get your weekly prescription with me. I'm very excited because today, Chef Rashad Armstead is joining us. He's widely renowned for his 2019 victory as a winner on the Food Network show Chopped. Chef Rashad has cooking in his DNA. His great-grandmother was Chef Sarah Rouse, who was a respected restaurant owner and one of the first Black women to host a televised cooking show. His first restaurant, Crave BBQ, opened in 2017. That same year, he founded the Black Food Collective, which is based in Oakland. The collective unites and supports Black-owned food-related businesses. Most recently, he has reintroduced Crave BBQ as a pop-up, which is at various Bay Area locations. His passion is strengthening community bonds through shared culinary experiences. Welcome, Rashad. Hey, thank you for having me. I'm, I'm doing good. Blessed. Can't complain. And you're in, we're on the same coast. You're like, yes, ma'am. Yes, yes. Good wave. <laughs> this is now going to be a video. So, so you grew up in San Jose, right? Well, or so did you move I grew there? Up, like from? I grew up all through, all Northern California. I grew up parts of San Jose, Oakland, Modesto, um, okay. all over in Northern California. I lived here my whole life. This is my, this is my stumping grounds. I watched some YouTube interview of you last night mm-hmm. on the podcast. He was like a politician man. You were in like his yeah. Uh-huh. And when you said Modesto, I used to do these comedy characters that were from Modesto. Like Modesto <laughs> is not where you want to visit. Right? No, it's yeah. not. <laughs> it's like, like, I had never been there. And I don't even know why we picked Modesto. I think my friend had family there. Yeah, so I feel like a lot of yeah. kids would drive like the big 22 wheeler trucks, right? Uh-huh. Yes, yes. It's a it's an interesting town. I call okay. it very, very interesting. How long were you living there? <laughs> I really want to know about so, your life. So it was it was a it was like a back and forth because my my parents were working in the bay, but then my, my father's mother passed away, left okay. him a house out there, and that's when we, we lived out there. So okay. I went for part of elementary, uh, some junior high school, and then high school out there also. Finally, I got the opportunity to get out of there. The first place I moved to was L.A., actually. I okay. started working in restaurants out in L.A. Then I moved what back to Modesto. Man, this was, oh, God, you're going to make me 2007, 8? Yeah, 2008, I okay. believe. Yeah. And then I moved back to Modesto. Then I moved back to Oakland and been here in Oakland ever since. But you were still going, I think, I don't know if it was that, maybe it was that interview. I don't know. I've had a real like purge of your life. For sure. Um, the past 24 <laughs> hours. Um, you were still coming to LA auditioning for different uh, cooking shows. Yeah. I and was then you kind of got over it. Yeah. It was like one thing I was just, I was just kind of done with it because I was, I literally auditioned. Do you remember Oprah's show she had years ago where she was looking for someone to do a host of a lifestyle show. She had this big audition that her 
Rachel Ray, I think, was a producer in it. Um, it was a it was a big thing. I think it was called Oprah's Big Shot or something like that. Um, and I'm she had it years like ago. I, I'm gonna act like I remember. Yeah, mm. yeah. So yes, I, I auditioned show. for shows like that. I did okay. uh, audition for The Real World. I auditioned for Top Chef. Uh, what else? So many other cooking shows, and I just finally was just like, I'm done with it all. Yeah. And I prayed. I was just like, God, if anything is meant to be, you're going to send the opportunity to me. And that's when Chopped came years later. That was, so yeah, it must've been the thing I was watching last night. So you said that, and then if, was it a few years later, the producers reached out to you? Yeah. So they reached out to me in 2017, 17, yeah, yeah, right. 2017, 18. And they were like, Hey, do you want to audition for Chopped? And I literally left the email on red for two days because the anxiety was just like, what the hell is going on? Yeah, <laughs> I prayed no. about this and it's happening. And literally it it happened. All of that happened within a month. I literally, I did the, the Zoom interview and it wasn't Zoom back then. I think we did another platform where we did like an over the phone okay. interview. Yeah. Did that part. And then they were like, okay, let's do it. They, sh they flew out here, did the bio pack where they shot me. And then I yeah. was out there a part of the show within all that process was within three months, I believe. Okay. Yeah. So it just happened. Wow. Yeah. So it you was just, a lot. So you, how long were you here then? That, that filmed in LA, right? Or that's- No, was, that filmed in uh, New York. I guess that makes sense. Like a lot of the food network or whatever is on the East coast, I think. Yeah, a lot of it. And, and it's crazy really? because you would never think that the set of yeah. where they shoot it at, it's totally- totally like low down like covered up you would brick building you would really? never know that they're shooting a show inside there yeah my friend <laughs> not to like blow up his spot he does hair for one he lives here one of my best friends and he always is like when he has to go to hair there because it's I mean it's grueling he says the hours it is it is like it's very yeah. repetitive I guess you know yeah. like yeah. we're gonna do it again but you know so yeah right. I was there from 6 a.m until 9 p.m shooting nonstop. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> it was no joke. So you grew up, speaking of cooking and everything, you grew up in a really big family, right? You had, yes. was it 11 kids or how So many? all together it is, oh God, I always forget this number. There are three boys and five girls. Um, luckily, yeah, it's eight, it's eight altogether. Luckily okay. we didn't live in the house all at the same time okay. because I probably would have, um, ran away. If you did. Um, so thankful for that. But then my parents also raised two of my cousins. Okay. No, actually three of my cousins also. So my parents have always kind of like been the, uh, been the, 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 how do you say it? The foundation of the family, like meeting point. when everybody's going, yeah, it was always a meeting point in my house because my mom, and my dad were, were, were always together and they always did things. They were a team. So whenever someone needed somewhere to stay, they would come to our house. That's so, really yeah. cool. So yeah, you I had a really big family. You started cooking at the age of 11, is that right? Man, younger. 11, younger than that, but but 11 was the was the age where my mom was like, "Here, you're going to cook." And Maybe we're that's hire you. 11. Okay. And so <laughs> that is my worst nightmare, cooking for so you were cooking for like 12 family members? Yes. And that was like small, but when holidays came around, like oh, one no, time holidays. my mom, no, yeah, one time my mom got sick and she was un un unable to cook, and I had to do the whole Thanksgiving. Yeah, that's insane. 
Yeah, I killed the game though. I believe you. But Thanksgiving, I never understood why my mom was always in a bad mood on Thanksgiving. And then my cousin and I cooked one year and we were like, okay. Like he was like wasted like halfway through. I was like chain smoking. Like I was like, we are never doing, like we we put the Cuisinart blade in upside down. I was like, why isn't this working? Like I, it was just like, it's really hard. It's hard. It's very stressful. Like real cooking is really hard. Like if I'm alone and, or it's just for some girlfriends or a friend, it's fun. But when it's holidays, like, like my dad now will be like, what? Gotta go. Like when no one's calling him, like everyone wants to leave the house to not get yelled at by my mom. Like my dad will be like, what's that? Oh, I need to go pick something up. And we're all like, cause it's what did you so hear? stressful. Like it is, it is because I, I think it's one of those things because your family, they will be so brutally honest with you yeah. if anything is wrong. And they will let you yeah. know, like that turkey is dry. And or even if they're trying you... to lie, like, you yeah. know, if they're lying, yes, like, you're just like, you I'm know. like, or my mom will just be so critical. And my mom is someone that like, you have to be like, your butt has to be in the seat, like on the dot. She hates <laughs> like, people don't eat it hot, hot, hot. Like uh-huh. you know, it has to be like the hottest anyway. So I just can't imagine the stress of, of being on a cooking show. I really can't. It's no joke. It's, it's literally no joke to where I couldn't watch. I couldn't even watch my episode, man, until, cause I held, I held the information for almost a year. You mean that that's how long you had to, cause it said you won, they announced it 2019, but I thought you were there. Yeah, but I taped it 2018. Okay. So, really so crazy. even when the, even when the episode was, was airing, I couldn't even watch it. I'm, I'm literally in the corner at my aunt's house, just like with my eyes like this. Because I'm just like, it's bringing back all of the trauma of that oh moment. Because it's, it's a lot of pressure on right. you to do something like that. And you literally have to be built for it. If you're not built for it, it's not right. going to work. Because it's one of those things where no matter what your experience is, everyone is at the same level in that kitchen. Are they really on shows like that? They are. I can never they are. Tell. They are. They are. And everything that, everything that you see right. is real life. It's, oh, okay. it's, it's no fluffs. It's none of the, to where they tell us a little bit of what the ingredients is. No, every, from the, from the clock, everything is real life. It's they're no, not like Rashad, like start a fight with Jose today. Like, yeah, they're not doing any of that. They're just like, because it, it it's intense. It's, it's yeah. really, really intense. Yeah. So you come from your great grandmother. I thought this was really cool. was like the first, a black female celebrity chef in the seventies. Which mm-hmm. is seventies, early eighties, yeah. Okay, okay, late seventies, early eighties, from an egg sandwich. I really, yeah. I wanted to, to have an egg sandwich now. Like I want to have Grammys. <laughs> and she used like to make one sandwich. of the, she used to make one of the best egg sandwiches that you would ever have in your life. She like was, fried, she, like in a pan. Yes, yes. yeah. <laughs> That's hard to make. It's like when someone yeah. can make a great grilled cheese. Like it's not that easy. Like the simplest things, I think, are the hardest to make. For sure. For sure. So she was that was Grammy is is named after her, right? Yes. Uh huh. Okay. Okay. That's still something though that you want to be bringing back that restaurant. Like it's yeah, still, definitely. It, it's it's is it still? Uh, I know the one barbecue place because I was like, oh, I need to try to order some of this food, and I realized, oh no, you're in Oakland, like one of yeah. the places. <laughs> but that's something where was that really? I mean, all of your cooking, I feel like, is obviously influenced from your grandmother and from your family, but. Do you feel like where are some other places you've gotten sort of, I guess, inspiration or joy out of cooking? Because we just said like, you know, my next question was like, do you enjoy cooking or was it just a ritual as a child? Like, 
Because sometimes I think we take on these roles, like you were saying of your family, like I'm going to be the cook, I'll cook for everyone. And I know you're a middle child. And I feel like all I'm a, I'm the baby, if you couldn't tell. Mm. But I feel like all middle children always have to like pull everything together. Like the older child yes. is like, God knows where the younger ones in jail, but like they're all, you know, like it's like the middle child is always the one like, I'll do it. I'll clean this or I'll, I'll like, I'll pick you up from the airport. I don't know. So true. So true. I, I, for me, for me, a lot of the inspiration, cause I'm a, I'm just one of those people. I'm really creative and yeah. cooking has always been a way of expressing my creativity. So as I got older and started to do it professionally, then, you know, it was a, it was a survival thing to where I had to get out there and work. I had to make sure I took care of myself. I was always raised to handle business and take care of yourself. And so for me, after owning two restaurants and doing all that, I did have to take some time to kind of fall back in love with cooking, which, you know, I'm slowly doing that now right? because I didn't want to operate from a place of, I have to do this for survival. I have to do this because if I don't, what else, what what other thing can I do? This is what I've been doing all my life since I was 15 years old. I can't go anywhere else. And so trying to get all that back together has definitely been a process, but it's something that it's slowly creeping back. And the way that I do it is I cook for people that I love. Like I don't take caterings unless it's people that I like and I love. If okay. I don't like and love you, I won't do catering jobs. That's just yeah. what it is. <laughs> That's cool though. Cause I, from, I think that other interview was saying that that's something you decided I'll do this before I'm ready to go back in with your other projects that I know you already have in the works, the other, you know, mm -hmm. restaurants. And then probably through the black collective too, like you can do have people pop up that you want to share their cooking, yeah, with. especially during sure. the pandemic. Like that must've been so, uh, so such a blessing for people that needed somewhere. It definitely was. It was one of those things that was a, that was a number, another form of my therapy, I think was that I really, helped people that I was in their position years back. I know what it feels like to start a business. I right. know what it feels like to not know what to do and, and at any moment. And me opening up that kitchen was like, okay, this is the way to where not only can I, I have so much knowledge about how to do this food thing. Let right. me pour that into somebody else. So it really did help me a lot because I was able to not just get stuck in you know, just sitting there, but I was able to pour into other people and say, this is what I learned. And then also, you know, we, we fed about during the, during the whole entire, you know, COVID, we were feeding about 1200 people a week and wow. we were putting, man, it's over. I think now it's over $70,000 that we've, that I've been able to give to these black businesses that are part of my collective. Wow in the form of paying them to cook meals for, for different organizations around the county. That's so, amazing. Yeah. And it was one of those things where you always, I always say that you always do for people what you wish someone had done for you. So I wish that I would have had- me start crying now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because uh -huh. I wish I would have had that, that help when I, when I got started. Yes. When you were I coming up so bad. Yeah. yeah I needed yeah. it so bad because I didn't know everything. I literally got thrown into entrepreneurship. I got thrown into so many situations that I had to just figure it all out. Yeah. And I never had anybody that was able to show me the, the mercy and give me the opportunity to fail, mess up, not know everything, not have all the money, but someone just would just say, come on, I'm going to help you anyway. And that's what we were able to do for the Black Food Collective um, over the time of COVID. And we're still doing it right now and taking it to a whole nother level. 
that organization you started before it became the food, it was in 2017, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Our very first event was was AfroTech. Okay, and that was more just for black owned businesses and this was started out of the Bay Area as well, right? Or in Oakland? Yeah, yeah, we we started it, we started in the Bay Area and and the whole thing was, was because I had seen so many uh, black owned food businesses were not connecting with each other. They didn't have that that meeting place of that we we would share knowledge with one another or even share opportunities with one another because being sometimes in, in black businesses, it's such a crab in a barrel syndrome because they don't let all of us into the opportunities. They only let a very few selected. And so for me, it was like, I said, I don't like that. That's not how I operate. And so I started the Black Food Collective literally just on a whim. I just had a vision, seeing the opportunity. I sent a proposal over to the folks at Blavity and Afrotech and they said, let's do it. And we've been doing it ever since. And so even since we started, we've probably put about $150,000 to $200,000 in the hands of Black businesses through our events and things like that. Wow. Now, when you say they don't let, you mean like the other restaurants in the area? Where it's like well, just other opportunities. Choosing like one yeah. like token black restaurant. Exactly, exactly. Like, it was always know? one of those things where they pick and choose who they want to support because they need that one black face yeah. at the table so that they can meet their quotas and things yeah. like that. And it wasn't one of those things where we all, we all want to compete at the, at the same level and want to have the same opportunities. And sometimes we're not presented with those. And yeah. so I kind of wanted to change the narrative and say, no, actually, we can come together and do some really great events. We can come together and really do some great things together and yeah. show that unity and show that Black food is just not what people think it is. It's actually something that, something that represents our culture, represents where we come from. And it has so much more behind what people think. And the reason why people have not heard that story is because it's always like someone is always fighting to be the top and not right. really bringing others with them. And so I'm all about whenever I walk through a door, I have to bring others with me. Mm-hmm. That's just something that I believe that, you know, that's the only way that you're going to be able to, to really change the world. You got to bring others with you. I want to know, like, this may seem like jumping ahead, but it's it's not because it's really what the podcast is about. But, you know, you're growing up in this obviously really big family cooking. You had all these responsibilities. You said you started working when you were 15 in a restaurant, mm-hmm. like professionally. It was in a hospital kitchen. I was a dishwasher. Yes. Okay. Which is, yes. I didn't know if it was a hospital kitchen. Kitchen. Yeah. Yeah. It was. It was rough. Okay. <laughs> it was hot. <laughs> All right. Now maybe I know why you came to. I'm depressed. <laughs> I was wondering if you, <laughs> if you were like, if there was a, a place that you arrived at that you remember, that you thought to yourself, oh, I'm depressed. Like I have anxiety, and I'm not going to give up. Like, was there an aha moment, or did it just? you know, come over time. Cause you know, sometimes depression, like my psychiatrist always talks about, or at least for me, a lot of times depression is almost like gaining weight. Like you, you're kind of like going about and you're like, okay. And then suddenly you like get on the scale and you're like, God, like I've put on 10 pounds. Like, I guess I really haven't been eating well. Or, you know, like, I guess I haven't left the house in a month. Like I don't, I, I thought that was sort of a really good way to describe it for people that don't get it at all. Obviously now I feel like people get it more and more because of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. But I was just curious of how you got to that point, because as you mentioned, which I've seen just growing up, I was raised very religiously and raised in Baltimore. So like you say, in the black community, everyone took everything to church and you would not, you'd like take it to God, not the therapist chair. 
So how did you get to being able to say, I'm, I have depression? I think that it was something that, it was something that I knew, well, I'll say this, I, I think I suffered with it for a long time and didn't really recognize it. Yeah. Um, because I think that a lot of people, they just all of a sudden, one moment is not, oh, I'm depressed now. It's like you said, it happens over time. And then finally you come to the realization that you're like, oh, wait, something's not right. Yeah. And so I think for me, it was in the moment where I had, oh God, this was like 2017, I think. I just started having these really bad anxiety attacks. I think for me, like 2017, it was something where I was working. I was working so much. I was cooking, catering. Um, I was starting my pop-up restaurant. I was married. I had all these responsibilities, so many things pulling at me. Right. And the anxiety had just came. It, it was coming to where the attacks were. I would have to sit in the car and just breathe because they would just become so bad. And I didn't know what to call them at first. I didn't even know how to even recognize that, that, was, that that's what was going on. Because as a chef, you get into the kitchen and it's intense. The so adrenaline. you're so used to, yeah, you're so yeah. used to being like on 10 and moving, moving, yeah. moving that you can't even recognize you could possibly have an, an anxiety attack yeah. while you're on the cooking line. Yeah. And so when they started to come more and they started to become more frequently, I was like, okay, something here is not right. I, um, I started praying more because that's what I was taught. I started going to church more because that's what I was taught. I yeah. started to um, express to my then wife at the time, like what was going on and nothing was helping. Nothing was, was, was making me feel better, which is getting me more and more deeper and darker into the situation. And then that's when I had, found a therapist to go see. This was the first therapist that I went to go see. And I had just poured out everything that I was feeling. And that's when he was saying, you know, you sound like you are suffering from depression. And, and that's when I recognized and I said, okay, wow. And then I started the journey of trying to figure out how to deal with it, but not really dealing with it though. <laughs> well, that's, I mean, I can't even imagine as a straight black man in America to express your feelings. I, I, I thing. yeah, it really it's like, hardest I, thing. it's like, especially it, for me, because I'm always, I'm literally anybody that you, anybody that knows me, I'm a strong person. I'm someone that others come to, to, to depend on because I have the bandwidth to handle anything. Like there's right. nothing that I can't come up with a solution and fix and help out on. That's just who I am naturally. That's how I was as a child. And I, and it's my adult life. It was the same way. And so for me to have to admit that it was a lot in the environment that I was admitting it in, it was not really, it wasn't healthy for me to admit it because they didn't, a lot of people have never seen, like you said, this black guy that is so used to moving and moving. Yeah. He's now saying that he's depressed. He's yeah. now saying he has anxiety. He's now saying he's confused about things. He doesn't and they're know They're probably what to like, do. what? Like, it's yeah. wrong. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like toughen up. Shut yeah. up. Stop being, a, yeah. you know, all the other words that people say. Yes. And yeah, they're like, you've got it great. You're married. You have a job. Yeah, like, you're yeah. killing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it, but it, but what it did was it was almost convincing me that I wasn't depressed. I wasn't having a problem. And so I had to, it, it took me to be really, really strong to admit that myself and really seek help myself and really create an environment where I can just exist. Especially because, you know, over the past few years, 
going on the internet, going on social media, watching TV and seeing so many black people being murdered left and right. That was such a hard thing for me and my anxiety because I'm somebody that I was a revolutionary back in high school. (laughs) I mean, I got a principal fired one time because he didn't handle a situation about a racial problem that happened in school. So, Boy, so I was always that. My high school. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was always that person that would always fight for people they couldn't fight for themselves. Yeah, so the to see so many people, yeah, to see so many people dying, and then for my own, I'm I'm living in Oakland. Not only am I not safe around police officers, but I'm not safe around my own community. There's the opportunity for things to happen to me everywhere. So my anxiety is on ten to where I'm just shutting down, shutting down, shutting down. And then finally in 2019, I decided to, you know, leave my, my, uh, my ex and really start seeking the help that I needed. I had closed both of the restaurants and I was just like, you know what? I would much rather be homeless, no money, broke, single. And, and, and then I would much rather be in all those places than be in a place where I don't know if one day I'm just going to be get over the edge one day and take my life. That was the that was a fear of mine so much because I couldn't imagine my mother, and my father coming to my funeral. I couldn't imagine them having to deal with that and, and my siblings having to deal with that. And so I decided to fight every single day until I got better. And it's still a fight every day. I know how you feel. I've, I yeah. felt honestly, that's. I don't mean to get so emotional, but that's what really stopped me once. I was like, I just can't do this to my family. Like maybe if I didn't have a family, I would have, but like the, the exactly what you said, I was like, I can't have my parents get that call. Yeah. Like, I just can't. <laughs> like, I don't know what, like maybe if they weren't here, you know, like, like that's why family is really important. So important, so important. I couldn't suffer, imagine, you know, yeah, I couldn't imagine my nieces, my nephews. Yeah. That, uh, yeah, that's what always stopped me from getting to that point. Right. That's what always right. stopped me from getting to the point to where I lost complete hope because I said, you know, there there is a way out of this. Right. I just have to accept everything and face everything. Even though it's scary, I have to just speak it. And when I started to speak, I started to heal myself slowly but surely. So from the time, so you first went to therapy 2017, you were saying, right? Mm-hmm. And that's when yeah. like the job, the marriage, everything was just kind of, I think, about to bubble over. Yeah. From that point, how many, like how much time did it take you to then realize I need to stop, get away from all this? Was this- So it was 2019, yeah. Like, cause I think people, I mean, even me, I mean, I've been in therapy since I was five. So like it's, (laughs) I'm used to like how long it takes, but I think people that don't know therapy, they think it's like, when you go to the doctor and you have a cut or like, oh, I have this weird bump or like, I'm going to take medicine and, and then I'll be, I'll be okay in a few weeks or a week or five days. And that's not how it is at all. It can it's take not. months, years, like years. even for medicine yes. to start working like months, especially antidepressants. Yeah. So I'm just curious what that timeline was in the sense of where you, did you stay going to this therapist that you first so went in- to or no? So in 2017, I I did about maybe four or five sessions of therapy with this Mm -hmm. guy. And he brought up a lot of things. He gave me some great books to read. But it also opened up my eyes to a lot of things. It it kind of brought a lot of clarity for me. 
So it took from 2017 and I stopped doing it because I couldn't afford to go to therapy yeah. anymore. I didn't have any health insurance. I'm an entrepreneur. It's like, oh, I was it's paying, so expensive. you know what I mean? I was paying bills. Yeah. yeah I, I, I was paying bills at home and just, you know, Oakland is very expensive to live in. Yeah. I was doing all those things that a husband and a guy is supposed to do. So 2019 is when I finally just said, I got to completely get my life back. And, right. and it's still a process. I mean, even now it's, it's 2021. I'm still, still building that back. It's still of everyday struggle an everyday um, job to make sure that I get healthy. Right. And, and I'm fighting for my life every single day. And people, people because I think the, 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 the time that we live in, people always want a quick fix all the time. They want everything to make them feel better instantly. But when it comes to, it's almost like tearing down a house, tearing down the foundation, then rebuilding the foundation and rebuilding the house. That's literally what it is when you go through therapy or you go through a healing process that you have to tear down everything and rebuild it. And that's a scary, scary process that it's not going to be quick, but you just have to just stay in it, stay yeah. in it until the house is built. <laughs> no, but it's true. I had a therapist that would always describe it like, we're going to like shake up the rug and the rug's going to get so dirty and you won't you're going to feel worse probably before you feel better. Like I'm always very suspect when someone goes to a therapist and they're like, oh, they said I really don't need a lot of therapy. And I'm kind of like, you know, like, okay, good luck. But you know, like it's, it's, it's hard. Like you, you, there should be times you don't want to go to therapy. It's not like talking to a friend, like they should challenge you. doesn't mean they need yes. to be, in my opinion, like if you're just kind of staying in that zone, like with anything and you're still comfortable, you won't grow. Yeah, for sure. For sure. You have to get uncomfortable. You have to start speaking things that make you scared. Right. Like speaking those, speaking those secrets that are so deep that, that if you, it's almost like ripping a bandage off of a, off of a yeah. wound that's just bleeding out. You have to be scared of that thing, scared that it might bleed out on you because that's the thing that's, that's keeping your mind and that trauma is keeping your mind from actually elevating into out of depression and out of anxiety is yeah. the fact that you keep holding those secrets so tight. You got to release it and let it go. No. And I think that's why, especially in LA, you hear a lot of times about men more than women, you know, commit suicide and where these really successful men, they just go to a hotel one when they kill themselves because they're yes. so everything is what we're talking about bubbling up. They can't express what's going on. They feel they, like they have to man up and then it just becomes too much. Yeah, it, it, it definitely does because society doesn't doesn't create the space for a man to be emotional and yeah. for a man to really say hey i don't know everything we've we've put this stigma that a, a, a man is supposed to be tough he's supposed to have all the answers and if he's not tough there's something wrong with him when right. it's like we are just as human we are just as emotional as every other being on this you guys planet. have a lot of problems yeah yeah we de definitely a lot <laughs> a lot <laughs> A lot, and, and, and a lot of them come from the fact that we we have to do we have to fight so many battles by ourselves and in silence. Yeah. Yeah, we're not yeah. able to speak it. And if you look at so many things that are going on in the world, everything from addiction, everything from like suicide, all those things are because of the inside that battle that we're fighting inside, and we can't even say, "Hey, this is what I'm going through. This is what I've experienced. This is what I feel." We can't even say it because if we say it, they're going to say, man up. 
or they're going to say, oh, you're not going through anything. Oh, just get over it or yeah. go get a job or go get another woman or go get this and go get that. Yeah. There are all these real surfacey solutions. Nothing is actually soul felt like saying, hey, maybe you should take some time to yourself just to breathe. Maybe yeah. you don't have to know all the answers right now. Maybe you can go talk to somebody and get help. And so do you now, what do you find like that you're doing that's the most helpful daily? Like, is there a certain activity, you know what I mean? Or uh, like, are you in, back in therapy or are you able to like? So I'm, I'm, I'm getting back into therapy next week. I've been taking some time off just because I've been so busy working. Um, yeah. I'm trying to, I'm trying to readjust my, my normal because I, I get so caught up in work and doing what I'm doing that I yeah. use that as a drug of not really facing my issues, which that's like my biggest problem. But for me, it's really acknowledging the pain, yeah, like really speaking it. And it may not even be speaking it um, to a person, but speaking it to myself, like really just acknowledging how I feel and validating my feelings and know that they're valid and trying to figure out where they come from and not being afraid to really face that truth. So I think everyday acknowledgement is really, really important. Um, having some good people around you that you can call on and talk to is the yes. most important thing. Yeah. Um, and every and everybody's love is not, is not what you think love is. So you have to really be mindful of that, of, of, of who you call on. What do you for mean the support. by that? You have to really be careful because some, some folks have not faced their own demons. Yes, yes. So you cannot expect them to acknowledge when you're facing yours. You have to really be careful with that. And, you know, we have so many um, Instagram therapists out there now that think they have all these quick fixes. Please don't <laughs> and it's like, you know what I mean? On the Instagram therapists. They've it's got like, like the 10 steps. I'm yeah, like, okay. And it's, like bull it's all bullshit. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not reality because when you are healing, your healing process is created how you want to do it. It's nothing that someone else can tell you. Yeah. It's how no to do one it. size fits all. It's no, it's it's no, and and it's uh and it's and it's such a bad thing that people buy into that they really don't get healthy when they dive into that. So having the right people around you that are not afraid to be honest about themselves yes. with you, that is so important for you to have in your circle. And I and I'm thankful that I have that around me. No, it's true. Cause if and I think diff different people in different careers and even myself, like because of the pandemic, like you were, I, you were able to sort of see, wait, I don't want to be doing this. Or at least I was, I was like, why am I doing this? You kind of did that ahead of the, <laughs> ahead of 2020, yeah. but you, you were faced to be by yourself or more sure. quiet and more internal. And it's like, it's not easy. It's, it's really not. not. It's a constant battle. Um, so during this time that we just talked about, what was the hardest lesson that you learned? Oh, man. Um, like for your mentality, sort of. I think one of the hardest lessons that I learned is, is that, hmm, how can I say it? That putting yourself first is not wrong. That like is, loving you. You sound like my shrink. Yeah. Loving you first is not wrong. That's probably one of the most important things that, 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 I, that I've learned is that you have to love you and you have to honor you in everything that you do.
And that doesn't mean that you're full of yourself. That doesn't mean that you're wrong. But I, I realized that one of the things that got me so deep into depression is because I was putting everything and everyone first. And yeah. I was not putting myself first. And I kind of like ignored me because it feels better when you can help somebody else out because that's almost like you don't have to deal with your bull. You can almost deal with theirs. No, it's <laughs> So true. it makes you feel better. I did that for a long time where I was like, oh yes, I'll do that. I'll go there, you know, and like, I should be like, why do you feel you like, you obviously don't want to go to this. You obviously don't want to come here. You have like, why are you doing this? But you just sort of get in this role. Actually, yeah. similar to what you were saying of on the recent show, recent show yeah. with Oprah, where you were saying how you, you know, like you can smile with the best of them. And so many people, when I started this, were so surprised, like, I can't believe you have, you know, like manic, you know, depression and anxiety and suffered from severe OCD as a child. You look like you like have it all. Everything's great. And um, it's so weird because I don't think that I even come off that way all the time. Like literally mm -hmm. total mask on. Yeah, Future sure. mask on. <laughs> but no, but it's true. It's like, it's kind of, I don't know. It's weird. It's, it trips me out because it's like, well, you don't want to go somewhere and just be like, I don't want to talk to anybody. Leave me alone. I don't know. It's like a struggle, like you said, of putting yourself first of what do you really want to be doing? Exactly. And, and, and it's so important. And I definitely, that's an everyday struggle for me because I want to, I want to help so many people. I want to do so many things, Yeah. but then I have to ask myself, why are you willing to go in so hard to help somebody else out? But when it comes to your own happiness, you kind of give that 30% you don't give that the same 100%. Yeah. And, and I learned through therapy that sometimes we become so caught up in other people so that we don't have to look at ourselves in the mirror. We don't have to look, we have to face all of our truth. And that's something that every day I'm facing more and more truths and I'm just sitting back like, It's Damn. very true. It's real. No, it <laughs> it's, is. It's, it's real. I've made some good decisions this week with, with what you're saying. When you first do it, like it's scary. But then it actually feels good. Yeah, like you're like, yeah. you know what? I, I, I feel okay with this. If you choose you in any setting and the people around you are offended because you chose you, that lets you know the type of people you have around you. And you have to separate yourself from people that get offended because you choose you. Yeah. And that's families, friends. I don't care what, the, what it is. You have to separate yourself from people that get offended when you choose you. Because exactly. choosing you is, is, should be priority one on your list of things to do all the time. Yeah. A real friend or support system would be like, great, that's okay. You know, but I think certain people get used to you doing everything or doing yeah. that or coming here. And it's just, it's true. Like, I think people that are really giving by nature get caught up in that. I'll do that. I'll help this person. And yeah, for sure. How did you actually end up being on that show? The Oprah. So, uh, I don't know why I always say the title wrong. Like I literally am looking down <laughs> to read it. The me, wait, the me you can't see. Is that right? That's right. Yeah, okay. That's you right. Can't I didn't even find. I'm by a fake reading on. <laughs> <laughs> um, the me you no the me you don't see. Yeah. Okay. Me How you did you see. end so, up doing the show? Because it's really brave of you. Because this is like. This is not some like Swiss reality show on Netflix, honey. This is Oprah. Like everyone's going to see this to be like yeah, a straight was, uh, black man saying like, 
I was literally on my couch, like, oh, like it. And I don't usually watch shows like that, to be honest with you, but it really, like the trailer, it just, it like, I don't know, it was like, looked different to me. Yeah. I think it gets yeah. over. I just don't like, I, I, I feel like I don't sometimes always watch that type of show. And it really was yeah. so moving every episode. For sure. I mean, it, it definitely was, and they, and they did a hell of a job with, yeah. with us being faced with COVID in the middle of production you, and all yeah, that. Yeah, I need to hear it. So you filmed that in, because you don't have a mask when you're like walking around. So that was 2019 is when we first started filming. Okay. So we started filming 2019, and then we did some more filming during, during 2021 through COVID, but it was like more of a diary kind of filming. When you were like in your apartment or? Yeah, okay. yeah. And then we went into, uh, once things kind of lifted, we did a little bit more filming from that. When they reached out to me, I did an article um, in the SF Chronicle. Uh, one of the food writers, the food writers had reached out to me about a story talking about why are barbecue restaurants in the East Bay leaving? So she came to my restaurant over at Grammys and we did this interview. The interview was literally supposed to be just about um, why are barbecue restaurants closing in Oakland? So I'm talking about that, but at that moment where I was, I was such in a dark, Okay. I mean, that was in a thick moment of my depression and anxiety. I was literally sleeping in my restaurant at that time. I was homeless, going through a divorce. I mean, it was so much going on. You had already so, made the steps towards getting, yeah. okay, wow. Yeah, yeah, not so out. it was, yeah. yeah, you're not out. It was, it, was, it was a lot during that moment. So she came to the interview we ended up talking for almost two hours. Wow. And so she was literally already done with her notes for the barbecue thing. That was already done. So she ended up taking more notes after our conversation. And I started to talk about depression and anxiety and how much it's a thing. And I believe this is around the time similar to when um, Anthony Bourdain had died. So this was around that same time. So I was yes, talking about how much, mm -hmm. yeah, how much anxiety that people in the kitchen face. So she said, I'm going to take these notes back to my editor and I'm going to see if we want to do an article just on mental health. Yeah. And so she called me maybe two or three weeks later and was like, my editor okayed it. I want to come back out and I want to interview. She oh, came back wow. out. We interviewed for about two, maybe three hours. And I just, ugh, I was just pouring out everything where I felt. She put the article out. The article went crazy. Everybody was reaching out to me. They couldn't believe it that, you know, I was going through those things. And then that's when one of the production crews hit me up and was like, hey, do you want to um, be a part of this documentary that's about mental health? I'm like, eh, I'll talk to you guys and see what, it's, see what it's about. So she sends me the NDA and I'm like, wait, that says Harpo Studio. <laughs> You're like, oh, bro. Like, yeah. I'm like, oh, shit, what's yeah, going like, on? That's like every, like. I, it's like, it's like, okay, everyone is going to see this. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, wow. Yeah. And so, and so, and, and to backtrack real quick before, yeah. right before I had um, decided to close all my restaurants and I was like, okay, I'm, if I got to be homeless to heal, I'll, I'll go through all of that. I had watched this. Um, I'm a big fan of TD Jakes. So he preached this sermon and he said that if the world if the church would show the world its wounds, then more people would come to the church because they can see that they can be healed also. Right. And so I said this, this prayer, I said, God, wow. I said, God, I'm going to show the world my wounds and whatever you do after that, 
it is what it is. Yeah. And then when I went and I talked with the producers um, through uh, the production crew that hit me up, we talked and they were like, okay, we want to do it. We signed all the NDAs and the first filming was done during Afrotech 2019. And that was the first filming that we did. We did it, I think, I think we did filming for about a week during that time. Like they got me in my first therapy session when I was walking to the therapy, I mean, yes. to therapist. And it just went from there. And it was one of those things where I was nervous through the whole thing. Cause I'm not someone that shares, I don't ever want to be seen as weak. I don't ever want to be seen as vulnerable. I don't ever want to be seen as like, I need help or poor me because that's never been me. But I knew, I knew because during COVID, one of my good friends, he committed suicide. He was a very strong, strong guy and he committed suicide. And so many of my other friends that I knew that were black men were either in jail, they were dying, they were addicted to drugs, they were out of their minds. So I knew that I had to speak for them. God, here I go. It's okay. Okay, I'm back. <laughs> so I got this damn tissue because I'm hella emotional and I'm just like, I don't know when it's gonna happen. <laughs> That's but, uh, I, you know this is wild because I literally have a question on here that you get so emotional talking about that on the me you don't see, but you don't the part about your friend committing suicide isn't there. Yeah, and I yeah. just, I There's have a, a question where I'm like, why are you so sad? Like, cause because it's I literally say like it's so awesome that you are so open about this. Because yeah. most alpha male, I mean, any like alpha male male, they're not going to be open about this. No, And I thought like, why is he so sad? Because you were like, I see myself in these people, but you're doing stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that's where I was, they didn't show a lot of, they have a lot of footage. <laughs> I wish some they had of, shown you like going to therapy or something. I was like, I don't want to hear about some of the, up, like backstage. Some of the, <laughs> Some Sorry, of the footage like, that they what? got, <laughs> some of the footage that they got, I'm like, I'm glad they didn't show it. But oh. <laughs> some some moments, I was like, I was going, woof. But I'm I'm kind of I'm like, thank you, and I'm like, maybe they should put out a part two of showing that part because I was going, I was speaking some stuff where it was a lot of releasing happening, well, and so and so when I was when I was when I when I decided to keep on going because so many times I was like I should just stop because I was just like what the hell I'm over here crying on TV. Nobody sees me cry. My damn family doesn't even see me cry. What the hell am I going to be doing crying on national TV? Really? And everybody's gonna were see they really it. surprised then? They were really surprised because I'm I'm one of those people. Like I said, I'm a I'm a strong person. I handle things. I right. I get stuff done. Well, like there's, I'm one of those people. It's, it's no excuse. Yeah. yeah it's, there's no excuse. I get things done, and so I was such at a breaking moment though in my life to where I had to almost like focus on my healing, but also I knew that there are so many black men that look like me, that have mm -hmm. been through what I went through, that are experiencing it now, that are, that are never gonna ever be able to tell their story and never ever gonna be able to find someone they can relate to. Because in our society that we live in right now, we can only relate to the entertainer, you know, the, all the entertainers, we can only relate to the athletes, we only relate to all these things that are so surfacey, but nothing goes deeper to, to, to really figure out what's going on in the inside of us. So you're seeing so many of these black men that are out here addicted to drugs. I mean, I have a list of friends 
that are out there and and they're lost and and I was just hoping that through this I could be a voice for them to tell them to go get help that that the normal that you create in your mind is not really normal that you need to fix that and you need to address it so that you can become a better person and you can you know open your spread your wings and fly out here on this planet yeah. even though you have a target on your back you yeah. still have to be able to survive through it you have to still be able to keep moving forward you have to still be able to be good for you not just for everybody else but be good for yourself right. and and it was a battle during the whole entire taping because I'm like okay this 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 stuff is getting way too deep I'm getting way too emotional <laughs> and I'm just well, like oh when so your friend passed away like at the beginning of filming or in the middle so this was in the middle of the pandemic this is during covid right 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 in the middle he passed away he uh and that was a that was a rough 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 moment that was a rough moment because me and him would talk so much uh through instagram and ig he was married he had a child and to find out the way he died it was just like it's almost like one of those things where you look at him I looked at him and said that that could have been me. Yeah. So many moments. The friends that I see that are addicted to drugs, that could have been me. And so this is why there's no judgment anywhere. This is why I continue to stay humble because I know so many moments in my life that could have been me. And so the fact that I'm surviving and the fact that I'm still moving forward, not only do I have to be a voice for them, but I have to be a voice for every survivor that has survived when a lot of situations in life some of us, yeah. it, it took us out. It took us completely out. No, I, I had a friend as well. Yeah. And it was, it was exactly what you said. Like, you just were like, that could have been me. Yeah. Really? I, you go through all that, those emotions of like, I should have done something. I could have done this. I and you know, it's, it's their decision. Like as it crazy is. as that sounds, like I, I know so many people want to help or fix it but like that's this is someone who had also been through all the system mental health working at it and doing everything and like she she didn't get to the app through it and it's it's horrible like it's just so gut-wrenching it is it is and, and it changes because before him i've had i've had three people really close to me that were my elders committed suicide when i was younger growing up in your family? Um, in my family, within my family, yeah. Some of them family friends, but but it, within my family. And it was something that, which, you know, which is the other piece that people don't realize when they do commit suicide or when they're even in the act of wanting to do it. You have to, if you can't live for yourself, just know that you doing something like that is going to affect so many people that love you. Yeah. And, and, and I realized that a lot of those people that did that, it was only because they were afraid to really speak what was really going on with them. They, yeah. were, they were scared. It sounds like their tongues were being covered and they couldn't say exactly how they felt. I think people though, honestly, like when I've been that low, I think a lot of people too, they just think like I'm a burden. You know, they're yeah. not thinking, they can't, they can't even think about that. And it's, I don't think it's selfish. It's like, it's like that's their story. Yeah, that's their story. And they feel like that's the solution, that's the solution. To, their, to their problems. And I'm someone that, you know, it's to understand that my life 
will not, well, I'll say this, my book that, that life is writing for me, it's not going to end in me taking my life. Right. The moment that I decide to, to, to the, the moment that, that God is saying, okay, it's time for you to come home. It's going to be because it's, it was already written, but I didn't do anything with it. And I think that the anxiety of, of dealing with depression and anxiety attacks and all of these different things, it gets so overwhelming sometimes. And we don't have anyone to talk to sometimes that can, that can truly understand how we're feeling and what we're going through. But I've learned that you can't even, at this stage in my life, I can't even look for other people to validate me. I can't look for other people to even acknowledge the pain. I have to acknowledge it for me. And I have to say, okay, this is what the problem is. Let me get better. And mm -hmm. I've learned that through watching these people around me that have committed suicide and looking at their life and not judging it, but looking at their life entirely and saying, okay, this is what they could have done. So this is what I'm going to implement in my life so that I don't end up right. like that. In that point. Yeah. Wow. So it's you no joke. So you just went full force to the show, even yeah. though Oprah. Yeah, it was it, it was one of those things where at, I was just like, the mask is off. Like I had to literally pull it off. And I, so I was just scary. like, I don't give a damn. It was scary. And I was just like, whatever is going to happen is going to happen after that. Because again, I think that we, we as humans, we miss just how connected we are. Even yeah. though we might look differently, we might come from different backgrounds. We are so connected in so many ways. And I knew that so many people would be able to relate to what I was going through because yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't the person that normally played the victim in situations. I wasn't the person that was battling drug addiction. I wasn't the person that was battling my father not being around or, or abusive. Uh, uh, my parents were arguing around me and right. that's where I turned up. I wasn't that person. I was somebody that I, I stayed working. I stayed moving forward. I was the happy guy. I'm the best guy that you would ever be, take to a club. I'm the partier times 10. I'm the, I'm the one that knows how to turn up. You know what I mean? So right. I, I'm, I've always been that guy. And so I knew so many people could relate to it because so many people are strong and they put on the face of strong, but behind all of that, there's still something going on. I and think those are the people, people that, that suffer in silence. I, and I think a lot of people that suffer the most do play that role because they don't want anyone else to be sad or they don't, you know, like how the comedians like, so it's like, oh my God, like I have to be on a thousand. So then yeah. you get the anxiety you get, or for me, like, it's like, I don't want to be funny and engaging tonight. Like, I don't want to go here. And you, it just sort of becomes like a wheel you can't get off. So you've said like, you said, I think it was in, it may have been in the show and on that, the podcast that I was listening to you, that people growing up, people said you'd be a chef or a preacher. Yeah, that was always the, the thing. <laughs> Don't you sort of feel like you are both now? I do. I feel like it's, it's one of those things where I always say that I'm not afraid to speak things that most people are scared of. And I think that that's, that's where I'm kind of like my, the road is taking me to kind of be the, the voice for the folks that, that are afraid to speak and are afraid to say what they feel. Like okay. that's what I spend most of my time doing as far as in work is that I'm like advocating for entrepreneurs and small businesses here in Oakland, talking to Congress people, talking to the mayor's office, you know, 
right. telling them exactly how it is <laughs> and trying not to being professionally rude is what I call it. Well, <laughs> you know, hard. just opening up eyes. And, and it, it does take a toll on you because you're fighting a battle that is so deep. And I think that, you know, I hate the term preacher because people, <laughs> people tend me. to, yeah, you know, people <laughs> tend to tend to take that and kind of go and the other way. I'm just someone that, that God knows that I'll always be a vessel to be able to be used as much as possible. Well, yeah, but I think, I mean, I just think food is so healing. I mean, I come, my dad is Lebanese. So I grew up like everyone's making, like everyone was eating constantly. I mean, yeah, we still are. Yeah. I'm acting like, like there's no one <laughs> in my family anymore. But like, so I feel like it's cool where you are um, so of service. Like mm -hmm. that's kind of like, I hate, I kind of hate that word, but it's, <laughs> but you are in your own community. And then that's, it's sort of like the, the food is the communion, like that you're giving people that are coming. I mean, I had such a social thing eating and coming together. Yeah. And I feel like you can always sort of taste someone's energy in their food. You know how it is. Like if someone who you don't really like, or they're angry and they make you some meal, you're like, this tastes great, you know, <laughs> like it's, and it's not. Um, so sure. I just, I think that's cool that, cause I don't feel like there's a lot of other people in the food industry doing that. They're not because the food industry has like been, been this, it's like a constant battle to be the top of the top all the time. I don't know anything about the food industry, but I guess it yeah. is. Like it's, the little I've it's, started it's to rough. learn. Yeah, yeah. it seems it, very cutthroat. It's no joke. It's, it's very cutthroat. It's very unhealthy. Like for me, I never- A lot I don't of cocaine, a lot of people on yes. coke. Yes, a lot. Okay. You know what I mean? It's a, a lot of addiction, a lot of all that good stuff is right. all in there. But for me, a lot of these, a lot of chefs in my industry, they they live to get the acknowledgement from everything, from all these different awards and all these kinds of things. Oh. I don't, I don't really live for that. I more so live because food to me, like you said, this is a deeper thing for me. Like yeah. me feeding people is when you taste my food, you're tasting my Grammy, my grandmother, my mom, my dad, I all of that. I like that apple pie. <laughs> I was showing my assistant. He was like, oh my God, he bakes. I'm like the worst baker. Cause I don't like to measure. I'm more of a cook. And I was like, yeah. I'm like, can you make this? And he's like, yeah. I'm like, okay, we'll see. <laughs> no, but it's true. Yeah, you're tasting like, you your story. Yeah, right? exactly. And 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 I think that that's one thing for me is that for so long, so many people in, in my industry, which is why you see addiction and you see suicide, such a big thing in the industry because the pressure of it, it becomes so much. And I'm like, life already has enough pressure on us. Why yeah. do we want to go to work and have that same thing? And me trying to change that narrative and open up to, to where people can start enjoying to cook again. Right. That's my story. And that's what I'm going through right now. Like even now I'm developing this whole pop-up series that I want to do where literally I want to take people that try my food on the journey of me falling back in love with food. So oh, me doing cool. things and cooking to where you can taste me, taste my food as I go into this healing process. Yeah. And I fall back in love with something that's so passionate for me and which is, you know, cooking and, and being in the restaurant industry while still helping out other people, of course. Would this be, is so this is separate from the Black Collective? Yeah, yeah, this is something okay. that, that we're gonna be launching next month. I know a few different things you're doing. Yeah, yeah, this is something that, that we're gonna be launching next month. We're oh, here okay. in Oakland, where it's gonna be like a supper club where 
our members are also going to be able to to host their their thing but for me mine's going to be more of traveling to different locations and just letting yeah. people taste my food really creating that more intimate kind of setting where they can actually be in the kitchen with me while I'm cooking and they oh, can actually taste cool. it as I'm putting it together and really get to hear me and see me as I'm figuring it out and them saying well hey you, I could taste this food it seems like having a bad day today I'm like yeah it is kind of rough <laughs> but eat it anyway <laughs> that would be horrible my family like I feel like I would eat all the food like we'd be so annoying like we're always tasting <laughs> like we're like and people are like get out <laughs> all right so we always end with like there are five quick questions that we've well Actually, we've covered the first two, but I still have to ask them. What do you do for a mental break? Like if you want to, um, you know, for me, it's like watch some crime show or, you know, like just kind of mindless, like just sort of relax your mind. For me, um, my mental break would have to be listening to music. Mm -hmm. Like I'm, I'm a big fan of R&B music, old school, new school, and also country and blues music, which country. is really, really funny. Yes, <laughs> I'm with it. <laughs> but okay. listening to music, listening to music is definitely very healing for me. So when I need those those breaks of just being able to relax, I literally turn the music on full blast and I just sit in my house yeah. and just chill and just relax. Don't answer the phone, turn on all my LED lights. I create a whole vibe <laughs> and I just chill with me and my dog. <laughs> Wait, where's, is he there or she? Yeah, he, he he's actually in his room right now. I can go grab him. Yeah. Love to be on camera. <laughs> Let's see him. Okay, hold on one second. Okay, I love it. I prefer animals to people, so I would like to see hey. him. Yeah, this is him. Hold is on one big? second. Is he big? So he's a Frenchie. Oh, oh my God. This is him. Oh. This is him. You say hi. Hi. <laughs> hi. My Rico dog's going to get jealous. I could not even, I can't even <laughs> pick up my dog. Is he a puppy? Yeah, he's uh, nine months. Oh my god. His gosh. name is Rico Suave. Oh my gosh, he's so cute. <laughs> you say hi? You say hi? I know. He has a cold right now. Oh, okay. I know they always have like little it's breathing okay. stuff. My dog Yes, like, their nose is no joke. My dog's in his face like <laughs> just like made a little sound. So if that's his name, Rico Suave, that's really funny. Rico Suave, yeah. He has gold chains and everything. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um well we know this but when is the last time you cried oh man uh, I try to do it whenever I feel it so I have to say last week and because I believe that crying is like you release things when you cry like yeah. you release tension from your body so I cried last week I was frustrated because of something happened with dealing with my divorce like really really frustrated um and California is very tough to get a divorce it seems <laughs> your eyes everyone I know I'm like great yeah I'm like this sounds like a nightmare yeah. that's another podcast yeah. that's yeah. a whole nother one yeah <laughs> so so I got frustrated but then I I recognized the the blessing behind it all so it was then it turned to tears of joy it's okay. that I made it through <laughs> and you know it's not gonna stop me I'm gonna keep on moving forward so that was the last time last week all right that's good um what are you currently reading oh man um currently I've been reading a lot of James Baldwin 
Oh, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, he's 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 been like preaching to my soul lately. <laughs> so he's uh, he's just a really prolific writer that really speaks a lot. Yeah. To, to 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 the experience of 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 the world that we live in. So I've been right. reading a lot of him lately. Is there something that's your favorite or like a favorite uh, book? Or is it hard to, I guess, pick? It's hard to remember because there's there's this one book that um, that I just finished reading. And I think I have it over there too. Yeah, I think I have it over there. I'm just making you get things in your- For sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, you can get that. Where's Rico? He's, he's following me right now like he does everywhere I go. It's called The Fire Next Time. This one right here. Okay, I'm not familiar with that. I mean, I know, I feel like this will sound like he's become quite trendy. Yeah. Again, and yeah. I'm sure for people that have always liked him, it's like, I get like that. I'm like, no, that's the writer I knew. Yeah. I yeah. banned. So I don't yeah. know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And but, it's something okay. that like, his writing is very, his writing is really, really deep. And then of course, I've been reading a lot of cookbooks lately. Like well, I have about down, 50. You're working on one, right? Or not really working on a cookbook. I'm, I'm, I'm actually thinking about, cause people keep asking me to write an actual book. Okay. Cause I thought you said you were working on one, um, that other podcast, which was confusing. It was like cook, but it wasn't a cooking podcast. Oh yeah. 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 So no, yeah. I'm, I'm working on a cookbook right now. I'm, I'm, I'm more so just reading a lot of cookbooks just to get inspiration to everything else that I'm trying to do with, with, with these new pop-ups that I'm coming up with. And your yeah. grandmother has a cookbook. Yeah, yeah, she has a cookbook. She okay. has three three that she actually published. Oh, three. Okay, there was yeah. a shot of the one. It was like a really cool cover. Yeah, oh. yeah. I, 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 have that, I have that one sitting up. It's it's in my house every single day. Yeah, that's so cool. The very first one, she, she self-published that one. And then the other ones was through um, Accent Seasoning. And another one was through, I believe, Sunset Magazine published one for her also. That's like, in, like insane. Yeah, her, her story that is time, really- like I like that's really, she's quite impressive. <laughs> yeah, her, her story is really, really interesting that a lot of people don't know. Yeah. You know, she was, she hustled to get everything she got. And then finally, um, when she came to LA, she opened up one restaurant there oh. on Sunset Boulevard. She had a really, with that restaurant, it grew like major where, where she was doing- do you know, yeah, like sunset and what? Like I, like I'm literally live like right above sunset. Sunset. So I drove by the. Email other day. sunset obviously is really big. I act like. Yeah, <laughs> I have I have an article with the with the with the area, but I drove by in the and it's like apartments and stuff like that now. But it's mm -hmm. it's somewhere it's somewhere closer within the Hollywood area of Sunset because it okay, was in a really really good area. Yeah. Yeah. So she um she opened up that restaurant when she moved to L.A. She shut all the ones down here in the Bay Area. She opened up that one. And at that time, her cooking show here in the Bay Area was was taking off where she was wow. Essence Woman of the Year. No, Essence International Businesswoman of the Year was the correct title that she had. And then she had her show out in L.A. The ratings were going crazy. And there was an organization that did not like the image that she was portraying of black woman in Hollywood at the time. They got her show kicked off of the air wow. when she was about to become nationally syndicated. So you mean the show was on and then who, who got her? It was, an, 
No, it, it was another organization that wrote into the network that was an organization that protected the image of Black women in Hollywood. So a Black they organization? Actually, yes, a Black organization got her show kicked off of the air because they didn't like the image of that she was portraying in, as a Black woman in Hollywood. And then my uncle told me more about it, told me that it was because she she was she was her own woman. She didn't need anybody yeah, she to okay sounds, it. She sounds she like, was, like my role model. Yeah, she was a feisty, like she she yeah, didn't feisty. play. Like can't she, say no. <laughs> yeah. No, she yeah. she just didn't like, play. I so, love women like that. That's yeah. like my I love women like that. Yeah, she was nothing that you could come in and force her to do anything. She was always gonna be herself. Yeah. And because of that, this organization wanted to almost like come in there and take over the guests she had on the show they wanted to come on and and kind of like have these other political things behind it and she was like no you're not doing it yeah even though she was it was her production company she designed the set she did all of it herself and they got her show kicked off of the air even though it was highly rated in the LA market where they were going to syndicate it nationally and they got it kicked off so that was like the beginning the end it was the beginning of the end of her career when that happened that's horrible yeah yeah it's a it, it's a rough story but i'm gonna one day get it out because her story is yeah someone should make like that uh, movie it would be great it would be a powerful be i mean great. like if they just knew her beginning from where that's she started. a really interesting <laughs> fa like fascinating story that no one knows Look, about she learned how to cook at a chinese brothel back what? in texas that's how she learned how to cook in the southern part of like between Texas and Louisiana, yes, that area right there is where a lot of Japanese Chinese people really? settled back in the day. And so she okay. was the family story was that she was a cleaner at the brothel. Okay, yeah, okay. But Grammy. she learned, yeah, yeah. She wait, was wait. a she was a she was a gangster. Nice. <laughs> she was a gangster. Like, no joke. Man. Wow. Man. Powerful I'm really woman. angry. I will never taste her <laughs> meals. Like I, I literally, when I was reading about her and something, I was like, oh my God, this woman like started this from an egg sandwich, like on a hot plate. Yeah. Yeah. She was a dope woman. What is the best and worst advice you've been given? Cause you know, like sometimes the best advice is the worst advice. Like, yes. I don't know. Divorce is bad is one of them. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Someone said divorce is bad. Like don't get divorced. Yeah don't get divorced stay in it it'll get better later on that does not sound like good advice complete bull at the time i'm like okay yeah it'll get better blah blah no it won't oh, no. <laughs> the shit only gets worse and i think also um the worst advice was was that if you are feeling like you are overwhelmed or depressed maybe it's something that you're doing that was wow. some of the that was some of the worst at the time, I thought it was the best advice because they maybe wanted to make me become acknowledged maybe if I was doing something wrong. But then later on, as I became to get wow. healed more, it was like, wait, that's horrible to be able to tell somebody. Did it, so this was, was, this wasn't a doctor, I hope. No, oh no, no, this was a person. Because sometimes doctor like can say weird things. This was like a friend. This was or somebody within the church. This somebody within the church told me that. Like oh, that's, yeah, that's very, yeah. I grew up very strict, like Catholic, like very strict Catholic. So I feel like people like super religious and I'm saying crazy shit like that. I don't know All what else time. to say. Like they're, I'm like, what? Like they just say. They're just yeah. out of touch with the reality. Yeah, they're, they're like, that is good. And I'm like, okay. 
yes, yeah. but like, where are the meds? But, but, you know? yeah. <laughs> like, oh but what's next? Well, you know, a lot of people in the church, but like, what's next after yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, like, exactly. And a lot of people in the church are really narcissistic. I agree. At a high level, and people don't even realize it. They think that this preacher or whoever's getting up preaching is doing it for the good. No, he's doing it for this narcissism that's in him. Yeah, like a God complex. Yeah, yeah, really. He's telling everybody what to do and how to and how to practice this, how to practice that, but he's not really on that same also, thing. Also, like free rent. Most <clears throat> free like a free place to stay. You know? And they get paid free. really good money. You have like yeah. the like, <laughs> last question. What Instagram <clears throat> if any, do you find uplifting? Mm. Like, you know, we mentioned, you know, like social media can be so bad for everyone's mental health. So I always like to ask people like, is there an account or something you read every day or Twitter? You know, I don't know. Not everyone's on Instagram all the time. I would have to say mine would have to be uh, Bishop T.D. Jakes is one of them that's really inspiring to me. And also his daughter, uh, Sarah, Sarah Jakes. Okay. Uh, they, 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 they definitely post things that are really inspirational for me. Cool. Everything else is a bunch of bull. <laughs> I know. It's I know. just it's... what's going on. <laughs> well, I'm sure too, like with food, as I know, like all my friends that are in like, <clears throat> the fitness industry, like there's probably so many like fake cooks, like fake bakers. I don't know. It just seems yeah. a lot of like bells and whistles. Yeah, for sure. For sure. They, they want to show you the pretty side of everything. They don't really want to show you the real of it. So, yeah. But don't you feel like that show, it, I feel like Chopped or, or shows in that vein, like they show it's pretty stressful. Yes. Right? Like they and don't, I feel like they don't sugarcoat like, oh, this is so easy. Everybody. No, definitely like, on Chopped. They show people that it's intense and it can become really overwhelming in the process. I don't know how anyone goes on that. But you, yeah. you, you did and you won. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I went on there. It was no <laughs> joke. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode. Shouts out to Chef Rashad for joining me. So Thank thrilled you. to have you. Um, where can our listeners find you? Speaking of Instagram and all the... <laughs> where you, so, you know, like retouching your food dishes and stuff. Yeah. So I'm, I'm on a Chef Rashad 2.0 Instagram. That's the best place to, to find okay. me. Um, I'm always on there posting all the different stuff that I have coming up and every all the events that I have hitting the world real soon. Um, I got some big stuff planning and just trying to, just trying to follow the dream. <laughs> That's awesome. That's all, folks. Be sure to subscribe to Ben Better HBU. Thank you for tuning in to Ben Better. How about you? To learn more, please visit benbetterhbu.com and check out our Instagram, bbhbu. Slide into our DMs with your questions and or comments. Also, be sure to subscribe for your weekly prescription. This pharmacy is open 24-7.